0: Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. Well, good morning, good morning. How's everybody doing today? You guys good? Come on, who's excited to be in church, in the house? Whether you're here or online, we are so glad that you are joining us today. I love those videos. I don't know if you've seen those, but those kids like falling asleep or getting passed out on those rides. I remember growing up, like one of my favorite vacations were the vacations that our family went to amusement parks. Uh, we lived out on the West Coast for a little bit, and so we'd go to Disneyland. That was always a great time. Or Six Flags. Uh, now we take our kids to Cedar Point. We got any Cedar Point fans in the house? Come on, America's Roller Coast. It is the best uh, amusement park around. Or Waldemere. Like Waldemere's fun if you just want to watch people, that's a great place to do that. But I love amusement parks because all of the the rides and all of the distractions and the sounds and the the sights and the bells and the whistles. I mean, there's so much stuff to do, so much stuff to see. There's entertainment nonstop. And it's a lot like the Internet and the age of technology that you and I are living in today. In fact, we're in this series called Family Vacation, and today we're going to talk about how we navigate with our families technology and how we leverage this, this world of technology that we are in for, for good instead of uh, for a negative impact in our life. Now, if you have a cell phone, go ahead and take it out. Everybody play along. If you're at home, go ahead and take it out. Maybe you're watching the service this morning online on your phone, but did you know, hold this phone up, You have more power in this phone, in this device right here, than NASA had when they first put a man on the moon. Did you know that? Like that's a true story. In fact, you have so much power in this this phone, it's unbelievable. Uh, The very first hard drive, take a look at this picture. This was the very first hard drive right there. That stored a whopping five megabytes In this right here, in your phone, even if you have the base model phone, you have at least a thousand times that. And if you have a, you know, if you've expanded your memory, you have 10,000 times that right there. You have so much power in this device right here, right now, which is why in 2007, by the way, Time Magazine named this the invention of the year. Because of how much it changed life as we know it. The the smartphone is by far the most behavior-changing invention in the history of mankind. Nothing else comes close to it, by the way. Not, Not the wheel not fire, um, not the steam engine or the automobile. Why is that Colby? Because with a car, right? You can do a few different things perhaps with this. You can literally do thousands upon thousands of things. It is a, it's a computer, right? And so you can calculate things. It's a GPS system. Uh, You can have access to any amount of apps. You can have all these, you know, studies on your body, your, your sleep habits. Uh, You can order food with this. Come on, somebody. You can, Doordash. You know, you can order groceries online. There are literally thousands and thousands of things that you can do with this device. And when they decided to put a computer in a phone, it changed everything. Because now you have access to anything and everything whenever you want it. Millions of people around the world have computers. Billions of people have smartphones. And this literally is their computer. Now, when it came out, Really, it's only been about a decade. Like that, a little over a decade ago, the smartphone came out. And so so much has changed in such a little amount of time. When you when you think about it, daily life, daily habits, our routine, so much has changed with this little device. We don't even use it the same way that we used to use a phone. Right? We used to like listen to the phone. You remember that? When you used to listen to it, people would call and you would actually talk to people. Nowadays, people just look at their phones. There's no listening. It's just looking at it. In fact, we look at it constantly. We look at it non-stop. Take a look at this picture right here. I don't know if you've seen this before. People standing in line, just their heads down, just like this. Especially at amusement parks or Cedar Point, people are just in line like this. I think I recognize people more by the top of their head than I do their face these days because of this right here. Like we look at it constantly, or we look at it uh, when when we're on an adventure. This guy right here is supposed to be out whale watching, and he completely misses the humpback whale because he's on his phone. We're constantly on these things. Or how about when we're eating? Right, This is a typical family of four, having dinner together, like just staring at their, their phones or uh, when we're walking, maybe you've seen some of these, these videos of people walking, the fail videos online of people running into things or walking out into the street because they're so busy and distracted by looking at their, their phone. We look at this screen while we're watching other screens. Because we don't want to be bored, right, during commercial times. And so, like, when there's a commercial going on, then we make sure we're on, on this phone. We, we look at this phone when we're in the bathroom. I'm not going to put a picture of that up there, but you know you do. Like, you're, in, I know you are. You're in that stall, like, looking at your, your phone. We look at this phone when we're in bed at night. Like, that couple should be doing something else. Come on, somebody. But instead, they're busy looking at their, their phone. Uh, the most recent stat says that people, on average, check this phone, check your phone every 12 minutes. Every 12 minutes, you pull out your phone, which equals about 80 times a day that we are on our phones. And so this life-changing behavior really has, has changed in a short amount of time. Again, a little more than a decade ago. Therefore, we have to talk about the implications of this device in our life and in our family. We have to talk about how much power... We actually have here both the upsides of it and the downsides of it. I guess uh, if you're super shy, the good news is uh, for you, if you're a person that's like, you know, I don't want anybody looking at me. Uh, Is everybody looking at me just kind of always thinking like that? If you're super shy, the good news is ain't nobody looking at you because they're looking at their phones. Are you with me? You remember that song that said like dance like nobody's watching? Well, you can't because nobody is watching. there. Everybody's on their phone all the time. Check out this meme right here. I think I love it mainly because of the track suits. But here's two guys saying my kids asked me what it was like growing up in the 80s. So I took away their phones and their iPads and I turned off the internet. That's exactly what the 80s were like. So much has changed in a little amount of time. And if we're going to spend, you know, Around you know 80 times looking at this a day, wouldn't you agree that we need to deal with it as a spiritual issue as well? We need to learn uh, and talk about what it means to follow Jesus in this age of technology and how we leverage this for positive impact in our life and not simply all the negative impacts in our life as well. And so today we're going to talk about both the upsides and the downsides of technology, specifically of the cell phone in our families. And I don't have time to cover all the downsides, but you should just know we are constantly carrying around so much power with us. And here's the reality, by the way this is just a new source for old temptations. You know that, right? Like, this is just a new means of transportation for old temptations. There's not any new temptations. We talked a little bit about it last week, that the enemy doesn't have any new tricks. That's the one good thing you can say about the devil. It's just, it's always trying to tempt us with passion and possessions and positions. So this is just simply a new source for old temptations, but we have it with us all the time. Now, I'm not just going to focus on the negative. A lot of this is going to be about the negative, but this is all. Also an amazing tool. Like, you can access a world of knowledge. You have it right at your fingertips 24-7, right? And so we need to talk about the good sides as well. Because how many of you know, thanks to Spider-Man, here's what he said, with great power comes great responsibility. And I don't want to give too much credit to Spider-Man, by the way. It was Jesus who actually said in Luke 12, when someone has been entrusted with something, um... Much then much more will be required of them. Much more will be, will be required. And so um, let's not give Spider-Man too much credit for that, but I don't think that there is another device that that phrase applies to more than this right here. With great power comes great responsibility. Now... It doesn't matter if you go to Disneyland, it doesn't matter if you go to Cedar Point or Waldemere, every single amusement park has has these kinds of of scam games. You know what I'm talking about? It's the ones where they suck you in and they say, you know, come on, step right up, step right up, you know, see if you can win this, see if you can win that and there's all these lights and all these sounds and all these buzzers and they're just, they're a scam by the way because they suck you in to, to rob you blind of your money. In fact, the average person on these games spends About $37 for a toy that costs about 57 cents. That's the scam right there, right? And so I want to talk about uh, and look at, at the, the spiritual scams and emotional traps of digital devices in our lives. And I'm talking about smartphones, I'm talking about iPods, iPads, um, tablets. That's what my you know, three-year-old son Gray says, he calls it a tablet. Uh, I want to talk about anything that would connect you online to the internet. I'm going to give you six Scams. Six spiritual or scams or emotional traps. Number one, write this down and I got a lot to cover, so I'm gonna go fast. Is it's a time waster, write that down. Like, how many of you know this can be a ridiculous time waster? Can we all at least agree with that? Like, that it's possible for us to get sucked into the black hole of the scroll and just kind of scrolling, 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 caught up in something that that really doesn't even matter, doesn't even hold your attention, but for some reason, we've just been sucked into it. In fact, if you don't agree that this can be a time waster, this is going to be a really long message for you, all right? You're just going to have to kind of... Buckle up, because this is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Uh, Check it out. The average human being lives 27,375 days. Which means that if you are over 27 years old, already 10,000 days are behind you of your life. Um, and that's, that's days, that's time that you, you can't get back. Time, by far, is our most valuable resource. It's our most valuable commodity. You can't get any more of it. You can't get any less of it. We all have an allotted amount of time. You can get more of a lot of things, by the way. You can get more money. You can get more stuff. You can accumulate things. But the thing you can't get more of is time. Is time. And we all have a certain number of days in our life. And if you're the average person, it's about 27,375 days of our life. And so really, life management equals time management. And the the better that you are at managing your time, the better you will be at managing your life. And here's what the Bible says in Ephesians 5.15. Be careful how you do it. Be careful how you manage your life, how you live. Don't live like fools, but those who are wise, making the most of every opportunity, making the most of the time that they have because these days are evil. Paul's saying, don't be careless with your time, but be careful with it. Have a plan. Know what you're going to do. Know what steps it's going to take to get you where you are going and then execute on that plan. But the latest stat in America is that we spend on average 3.4 hours a day of our time, of our valuable time, our most precious commodity on this device right here. 3.4 hours a day, which equals about 24 hours a week that we spend looking at this this device. And that's not uh, talking about TV, watching TV. That's not playing video games on different consoles. It is on your cell phone Alone, And so if you're the average person that lives to be the, you know, an average days, average life of 27,000 plus days, and you look at this 3.4 hours a day, then you will have spent, check this number out right here, about 11 years of your life on this. Tell me that's not crazy. 11 years of your life. Like, what could you be doing instead of this with 11 years of your, your life? You know what that means? We got to figure this thing out because I'm not interested in wasting 11 years of my life on this phone. I'm not interested in you wasting 11 years of your life on this device. And again, that stat doesn't include watching TV or anything like that. Here's what God's word says in 1 Corinthians 10.23. You say... I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. In other words, some things um, aren't necessarily wrong. They're just unnecessary. It's not necessarily wrong for you to spend five hours watching cat videos on YouTube if you want to. Right? It's not a sin. But it's just not necessary, is it? Like, it's not necessarily wrong. It's just not necessary. It doesn't benefit you at all. And so you need to ask yourself, what am I giving 11 years of my life to? Is this something worthwhile? Is this something that's going to to benefit me? Or am I just scrolling through a bunch of, of clickbait over and over and over? In fact, I wonder how many of us when we're, you know, dead tired, we're exhausted at night, we're like that couple, we're just up in our bed, like just scrolling through a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter, just kind of thumbing through things, like we know we should be, you know, sleeping, we know we should get the rest that we need, we're barely awake, but we're still with our thumbs just scrolling through things, in fact, if evolution were true, in about a hundred years, because how much we scroll with our thumbs, we're all going to have giant thumbs, um, big butts and little feet, because we don't walk anywhere anymore either, so that's, that's another message, but that's, that's the reality of it. And so how many of you have actually paid the price the next day, got up dead tired, went to work tired because you stayed up too late just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling? Yeah, it's a time waster. It's a time waster. Proverbs twelve eleven says, only a fool idles away his time. It's a scam. Don't get sucked into it. Here's scam number two. We can easily be deceived by a counterfeit value system. In other words, I can easily buy into what the world says is valuable, what the world says is important. Because the internet, and particularly social media, they want to ampli- amplify things uh, that aren't important. How many of you know there are algorithms that, that target you specifically on what you think you should buy or what you think you, should, you need or what you want? Advertisers are constantly telling us how we should think, how we should feel, what we need. They're shouting at us. Through this device 24-7, the world is constantly pushing its values into our life. Now, previous generations of Christ followers didn't have to contend with that. We just didn't have to. So we now have a constant reminder of what the world's value system is. Again, they're pushing power, uh, passion, possession, and position. And how many of you know what gets your attention gets you? And, and it sucks you in. And if you're looking at something for, you know, 3.4 hours a day, like, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to start copying the value system. You're going to start thinking like everyone else thinks. You're going to start thinking and acting like the world acts. You're going to start comparing yourself to everything else that you see, thinking, you know, am I enough? Do I have enough? Do I I look, you know, uh, enough like I I want to look? For real, let's be honest. How many of you genuinely feel better about yourself after spending hours on social media? Like, you feel better about who you are. You feel better about what you have. Typically, I feel worse because I see everybody else and what they they have. And Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. In other words, the, the world's value systems, don't copy that. Don't get sucked into that. But instead, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. By being more in tune with what God's values are, not what the world's are. 1 John 2.15 says this, Don't love the world. Like, don't do that, or anything in the world. If you do love the world, then the love of the Father is not in you. Now, real quick, this is uh, written by the same guy who wrote John 3.16, who says, For God so loved the world. And I know right off the bat, it might seem like a contradiction. What do you mean, Colby? Do we we love the world, or do we not love the world? Well, the answer to that question is in the definition of the word world. In John 3.16, when he says, For God so loved the world, he's talking about the people of the world. He's talking about... People who were created in the image of God, who all have value, who all have worth. You should love every person that God created, that God so loved that he gave his life for. But in, in, in 1 John 2, he's talking about the world as in the value system of the world, the, the values that the world is pushing. We're not to love the value system, but we are to love the people of the world. But what happens is we often do the exact opposite. Like we we love the, the values the world is pushing and we treat God's people like like garbage but keep reading it says this from verse 16 for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure there it is lust of the flesh a craving for everything that we see lust of the eyes right and a pride in our achievements and our possessions that's the pride of life it says these are not from the father but they are from this world. So the world really only pushes those three things. It's it's about hedonism, materialism, and secularism. Hedonism says, you know, it's a lust for pleasure. I just want to get more pleasure. Uh, Materialism is is a lust for greed. I'm just after more things. Secularism or humanism is all about my position and what, what level I'm able to achieve to appear important. But verse 17, by the way, says this, all that stuff is fading away along with everything in it, along with everything that the world says you should crave, that really doesn't ultimately satisfy you, it's fading away. Uh, But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. I'm just saying you have a choice to make. Am I going to choose to stand for God's value system, or will I simply flow with the current of culture and follow what the world is pushing? Here's what I know. If you don't take a stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. Nature abhors a vacuum. And if you don't fill that space with something with God's values, believe me, the world will fill that space for you. And at 3.4 hours a day on average, how many of you know that space is getting filled up quickly? There's a lot that the world wants to pour into you day after day after day. And you do realize that, that online advertisers, their goal is to sell you stuff. Like, that's how they make money, right? They, they want you to feel like you're not enough. They want you to, to feel like you can buy a better version of, of you. Let me just say, stop trying to live for the approval of others and start living from the approval that you already have in a God who created you, who loves you, who knits you together, who formed you in your womb, your mother's womb, Right? who cares for you, who cares for you so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. If you ever question your value or worth, you are enough. You should know that. Tell somebody right now, I'm enough. Come on, say I'm enough. Online too, you tell somebody, you're enough. You are enough. Here's number three. I can be sucked into, I love this one. I can be sucked into unproductive arguments. Dun, dun, dun. How many of you know that's true? How many of you have been sucked into those unproductive arguments, just battling and fighting people online of, about nothing, really, that really makes no impact? I don't know if you've ever seen someone post something outrageous or say something outrageous and your first thought is, Man, I mean, I got to tell them like it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them, I'm going to be the one to, to set the record straight in their life, especially if they, they talk about somebody that you love and care about. Can I just tell you, don't fall for it. They just want to catch you. They want you to take the bait, hook, line, and sinker. In fact, here's what God's word says in Titus 3.9. Avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments. That's talking about issues about your family, about your history, about your your ethnicity, about your background. He says, don't do that. Like, why would you argue about that? Like, you're created in the image of a a holy God. Don't do it. He says, or about quarrels, about the law. And he's talking about God's law. Specifically, how you interpret a particular part of God's law. Why? Because they are unprofitable and useless it's a waste of your time they are unproductive and there are people out there that just want to suck you into an argument there are people out there that are trolls online who live for the fight they don't care what you have to say they don't care what you believe they simply want to fight and the problem a lot of times is you think you're going to be the one to finally set them straight you think you're going to be the one to, to clue them in and to, and to tell them off, but it does not work. You know why? Because they are using something called motivated reasoning, which simply means no matter what you say, it doesn't matter. It doesn't impact them in the least. They simply want to fight with you. They live for the fight. They, they get a rush off hooking you and baiting you in. They don't care. And when you finally realize that, after spending hours and hours of emotional energy and time going back and forth and talking in circles. Come on, how many of you know some circle talkers that will just talk your head off right around and around and around? You finally realize it's worthless. It's meaningless. It hasn't made an impact at all. They don't care what you say. They simply want to fight. And I would just say, don't bite on it. Don't bite. Not up on the screen, but you can jot it down. Proverbs 26, 21. Says just as charcoal and wood keep a fire going, a troublemaker keeps an argument going. That's what they love to do, they just want to keep it going. So, what does God say that we should do? Well, Proverbs 26 4 says, Don't answer it, don't answer the foolish arguments of foolish people. Otherwise, you'll become foolish yourself. Meaning that, hey, like you're just going to look as dumb as they are online, just kind of firing back and forth time and time again. In fact, Instead, here's what you should do. Here's what should drive your happiness. Here's what, what, what you should worry about. Not what other people are saying online or what, even what they say about you. But what should determine your joy in driving your life. Matthew 12, 36. Jesus said, every one of you, every person, will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word you have spoken. Some versions say careless, some versions say idle, that every single one of us, for every word we have spoken, we're going to have to give an account of that for by your words, you will be acquitted or by your words, you will be condemned. And can I tell you something that includes what you post on social media? It absolutely includes if you said it or if you typed it. It doesn't matter. You're going to be held accountable for the words that you've said. And how many of you know, come on, we can be courageous behind a keyboard, can we not? Like, we'll say things online that we'll never say to someone in person face-to-face. But we'll type some stuff. We'll get mad about some things. But we will be held accountable for everything, whether we typed it or, or said it or liked it. Like we're going to be held accountable for every foolish or hurtful or harmful word that we threw out there. And that should really be enough for us to zip our lip and for us to shut our mouths. But think about this. Especially all the younger people in the room. Because I think some of the older people in the room, maybe we've learned our lesson on this. But think about this. Those of you that are in middle school or, or high school... Whatever you put on the internet is permanent, is global, and it's searchable. Everything. Anything you say, anything you post, any picture that you put out there, it is never going away. How many of you have discovered that in your life? Come on. Somebody said, well, "I never," you know, said that. Yes, you did. Here it is, right here. I can pull it up on my phone. It's permanent. It's 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 global. It's searchable. So, parents, we need to teach our kids: don't do that. Don't post that. Don't say that. I know it seems like maybe in sixth, seventh, eighth grade, you know, ninth grade is well, it's no big deal. Like I I can fire back at someone. I can roast someone online. You know, I don't like what they said, or or that made me mad, or I can make fun of them. Like, don't do it. Because how many of you know, 50 years later, at your Senate hearing, they're going to bring that stuff up, right? Or, let's listen, in two years, in three years, when you're applying to that university or that college you want to get into, don't you think they're going to look back over your past? Everything online is stays there. It's permanent. It's global. It's searchable. Or when you're out looking for your career after graduating you know college and you're like this is what I want to do do you not think that your potential employer is going to creep on you it's going to check out you know what is your character like you know what what is what are you posting what are the things that you like like i've said no to potential hires in this church i've said no to potential volunteer leaders in this church because their their resume self did not match up with their internet self They were completely different. And can I tell you, man, they will look at your character. They will look at what you post. They will go back through your history. So not only is is God keeping a record, but so is Google. It's permanent. It's global. It's searchable. So zip your lip, all right? you know, Close the mouth. This is fun. Is this fun for you? This is fun for me at least, okay? I'm having a good time. Here you go. By the way, you know what the answer is? to not getting baited, to not being hooked, to not being sucked into taking the bait. It's humility. It's humility. In fact, this is what Proverbs 13.10 says, Pride is what causes conflict it's pride it's whenever you get ego involved it's whenever my ego uh, collides with your ego that's when pride happens so whenever uh, I say before you go online before you decide you want to fire back before you send that email whatever it is you make sure you get a good dose of humility and you're like is this this really the person that God wants me to be is this helping anybody? is this helping you guys? All right, two people is helping alright here we go number four I'll be tempted to show off Don't buy into it. We're tempted to show off. Human nature for every single one of us is that we want to put our best foot forward. Is that we want to present ourselves to the world in the best light possible. Or, right, there's also the the possibility that we're trying to portray someone else online instead of the, the people that we really are. We want everybody to think our lives are perfect. We want everybody to think, you know, we've got it all together. Even in our lame attempts to show people how little we care, about what you think, you know, we'll post things like, oh, I just got up, you know, look at me, don't even care what my hair looks like today, you know, I didn't even take a shower, whatever, you don't have to like it, right? Then why did you post it? For real. Like, you care. Every single one of us cares what people think online. It's a place for us to, to show off. It's a place for us to post our, our highlight reels, to, to post, you know, our, our best foot. We never put a picture out there, you know, that's showing, like, three chins or, or that we just got out of bed, right? We got drool coming down our face and, you know, you know you can, we smell so bad you can smell it through the World Wide Web. Like, we don't do that fun fact instagram said that over half of the pictures posted are photoshopped over half of them they're not reality it's a filter it's the right filter. It's the right angle. It's the right stuff in the background. You know, it's the right, you know, like uh, f- those new filters that they have that make your eyes brighter or bigger or all this kind of stuff that make you look tanner. It's, it's making sure my, my books are in the back that you can see how smart I am, what I'm reading, you know, what I'm looking through, how relevant I am, how, how you know, up to date I am on things or how rich I am or how, how fun I am or how perfect my family is or how perfect my marriage is or how smart my, my kids are or how cool my kids are. Did you know that that parents and grandparents will even try to show off through their kids? Like, it's disgusting. It's it's, it's terrible. Oh, how did that get up there? I don't even know. Look at that guy right there. Come on, that's a cute kid right there. That was a few years ago. Yeah, you take that away. It's a place for us to show off. And you know the worst kind is spiritual showing off. It's the worst kind. It's when people, you know, post out, oh, I'm doing my quiet time. Just me and God. Just hashtag, just me and Jesus time this morning. You know, it's just me, Jesus, and everyone who follows me on Facebook. Like, really? Like, this is the worst kind of showing off, by the way. It's the the self-righteous selfie. Check out this picture right here. It's someone posting their quiet time. I got my Bible out. got got my my, my coffee out. You know, just having, it's just me and God, just me and God. And this is perhaps the, the sin that Jesus hated the most about the Pharisees. That everything they did with their religion was for show. They sang for show. They prayed for show. They looked apart for show. everything about their religion was for public consumption, and God hated it. So that's not what I'm about in the least. So let me encourage you, if you do this, I'm not saying that you do, just stop it. Like, like stop it. Stop trying to, to post a moment and start leaning into the moment that's there with you. Are you with me? Like, stop trying to get the perfect picture of your quiet time with your Bible position just right, highlighted, you know, just right, all nice and neat with the sun coming up in the background with your, you know, mocha latte, you know, in the corner. Like, just stop it. Stop doing it. Write this down. It's impossible to be caught up in a moment that I'm trying to capture. It's impossible to really live that moment out when I'm just looking and concerned about posting it online. Going public with your private time is a contradiction. It does not work. Of course you should have quiet time. Of course, you should master your mornings. Of course, you should put Jesus first every single day. Man, I would encourage you to do that all day, every day. But it should not be for public consumption. It should just be between you and God. I can't be in the moment while I'm trying to capture the moment to put out there for public consumption. Are you with me? This is what they call a a space maker message because we're going to have a lot more space in here after this maybe. We'll just see. Look at this, this lady right here online. I love this. She's, um, she's into the moment. Everyone else has got their phone out. Everyone else is trying to make sure they get the, the perfect picture so they can have the perfect post so they can capitalize on, on the most likes. But this lady right here, she's just in it. She's just completely there. Are you more worried about taking the moment online or taking the moment in? About living in, about being there with it, social media has driven this false narrative that everything has to be picture perfect all the time. In fact, even wedding photographers do this i 'm not knocking you if you 're a wedding photographer, but today like it seems like Weddings are so produced and so so staged, you know, by the photographer that's like, hey, stand here, do this, you know, hold her like this, you know, put your hand on her face right here, stroke her face a little bit. You have never stroked her face a day in your life. But you'll do it for your wedding photo, will you not? Oh, yeah, yeah. So it looks like it looks like he at least loves me, you know, the way they love me, you know, people in movies or whatever. It's like, stop it. It's become so produced, we need the perfect picture. And I understand the need for pictures and memories. Like, I I get that. But it can't be about posting the perfect picture. It has to be about living in the moment. In fact, I'd be careful. Matthew 6, 1 says this, watch out. Don't do your good deeds, your your acts of righteousness, publicly to be admired by others. If you do, you're going to lose your reward from your Father in heaven. In other words, if I post my, my picture of my good deed about serving, and by the way, I'm not talking about when we post things about the church, how we served, because I think it's important that you see the way that you are making an impact in our community and in our city, but I'm saying if it's for you personally, or saying, look at me, look at the good deed that I did, and you post that online, and you got some likes because of that, can I tell you, that's your reward. Like, that's it. You forfeited the reward that matters the most. He's saying your eternal reward. So don't post and think about the moment. Think about what matters the most. Not to mention, when you post pictures of your perfect selfie life, it doesn't draw people closer to you. It generally builds barriers and pushes them away. Because people will think, well, my life doesn't look a thing like that. You know, I I don't get to do that stuff. My life doesn't look anything like your life. Why why doesn't it look like people are not, people are not looking for cheap substitutes. They are starving for something of substance. They want to see the real you. In fact, if if you want to, if you want to build bridges instead of barriers, like do the opposite. Post, post the struggles that you're going through. Why don't you post those? Because somebody might look online and say, hey, you know, if God can, can take Colby through this, or if God can lead you through this, then maybe he can help me in this as well. So do the, do the opposite. First Peter 5, 6 says this, so be content with who you are, who God created you to be. Like God didn't mess up on you. You should know that. Be content with who you are and don't put on airs. You know what that means? Don't pretend like you're someone you're not. Like, don't put on airs because God's strong hand is on you. And don't miss this. He will promote you at the right time. See that word promote? So many people are using the internet, specifically social media, for self promotion. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. Look at this song that I wrote. Or look, you know, or or buying like followers. You can actually purchase followers online. It says God's going to do that in the right time. Let God promote you. And he knows when you're ready for promotion, by the way, because God can put you at the front of the line any moment far faster than 10 years of self-promotion can put you at the front of the line. Are you with me? Like God can do that. And besides, he says, let God handle the promotion. Who would you rather handle your promotion, you or God? I know too many people who have self-promoted themselves to a place or a platform that their character will not sustain them there. And they'll come crashing down with a great fall. You just, you just wait and see. God can do a much better job at your promotion. Number five, here we go. Got to go quick. You can easily get addicted to the approval of others. It's a scam. It's a trap. Do you know the average Instagram user um, has about 150 followers online? Which, by the way, if I say that and your first thought is, well, I got way more than that online, You need this message. This is for you. Check yourself. What is it that makes uh, social media so addicting? Here's what it is. It's our need to go back and check and check and check and refresh and refresh 80 times a day, right? To see who's liked it, to see who's who's liked what we posted out there. In fact, here's the science behind the addiction of social media. Every single one of us craves approval from people, like we're starving for attention and relationships. Like we were designed and created for relationships, so we desperately want to be liked, to feel like we are a part. So when you post something on the internet, and say you have the average of 150 followers, now the waiting begins. All right, who's going to like what I posted? How many of my 150 followers, you know, am I going to get to like this? And so you refresh, and you refresh, and you refresh until all of a sudden it's like, whoop, there it is. I gotta like, I gotta like. And you get excited, right? And when that happens... Your brain starts producing dopamine. In fact, let me read it to you exactly what happens. In the reward pathway of the brain, dopamine is manufactured in nerve cell bodies located within the VTA, the ventral tegmental area, and is released into the nucleus accumbens and the prefrontal cortex. Colby, what does that mean? I have no flipping clue. All right? But what I do know, it just makes you feel good. It gets you excited. And so you refresh again, and you refresh again, and you wait, and then it's like, oh, I got another like, and then I got another like, and we go back and back time and time again. And so dopamine is now firing off in our brain over and over and over, and it's like crack. In fact, what happens is it's the same thing that happens when scientists give rats and mice crack cocaine. They continually go back for hit after hit after hit. And it's a biological, scientific fact. When you get a like, it releases dopamine into your system, into your brain, and it can become very, very addicting. And the problem with this is we become more interested with with strangers, with people that we don't even really know online and what they think of us than we do with the people who are in home, in our own home closest to us. We can become more caught up in, in getting the approval of others. We don't even care about than we are uh, with the people who are closest to us. And if you spend eleven years of your life potentially doing that, being more concerned about that, do you think that's going to impact your relationships that you have? One hundred percent, it will. It's going to change a lot. In Galatians 1.10 it says, "Am I trying to win the approval of people?" Or the approval of God? Am I trying to please people? No, if I were still trying to please people, I could not be a servant of Christ. So you have to choose. You have to decide, am I going to be a God pleaser or a people pleaser? Am I more concerned with what God thinks and his approval of me than I am with what other people think? The message version of James 2 says this, dear friends, don't let public opinion influence how you live your glorious Christ-originated faith. In other words, uh, don't let the court of public opinion dictate what you believe. Don't let the court of public opinion determine how you feel. Don't let the court of public opinion decide how you act. Live out your faith for an audience of one, not an audience of 150. Are you with me? Come on, there's only one approval that matters. And by the way, you already have it. You already have approval in Christ Jesus. Here's the last one. You guys got to write faster. Here's the last one distracted from what matters most. So if we're distracted, if this takes 3.4 hours on average of our day, 24 hours a week, isn't it easy to be distracted from what, what matters the most in our... Hang on one second. I got a call. Sorry. Hello? I wouldn't answer this if it wasn't important. Hello? Oh yeah, what's up my bro? Oh, yeah. You seen that new Ford Bronco? Dude is awesome. Awesome. I'm going to get me one. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that to you guys, right? But a lot of people would. And a lot of people, this can dictate like what they do. And they'll pick it up in a, in a moment's notice. I don't even know what's coming up right here. I'm just going to take a picture of you guys right here for fun. All right, there we go. Like, seriously. It's a question of ownership. Right, am, am I the owner of this thing or is this thing the owner of me? And it's so easy for us to be distracted from things that matter the most in our life. There's a story in the Bible. In fact, I'll have, I'll have Dave come out and help me close this thing down. But in the Bible... Um, Jesus would often visit a friend's house in a place called Bethany. Uh, it was the home of Lazarus. If you remember the story of Lazarus, he, he went, raised Lazarus from the dead, and he had a couple sisters, Mary and Martha, and he would often show up in Bethany. It's not that far from Jerusalem, and so whenever he'd travel there, he would typically go by their house, and he would, uh, one day he came, and, and they're excited that Jesus is there, and so there's two sisters, Mary and Martha, and Mary just sits at the feet of Jesus. So excited to see him, so excited to be in the moment. She's kind of like that, that lady you know, that was caught up in the moment. Everyone else around was, was looking to post the moment. But she's caught up in the moment. Um, and then Martha comes and complains to Jesus in verse 42, 40. This is what she says Martha was distracted. There's our word. I mean, it's so easy to be distracted. It's so easy to be taken away from what really matters most in the moment. She was distracted by all she had to do. And she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? See, Martha was excited that Jesus was there too. But the way she demonstrated it was, man, I got to get everything perfect. I got to make sure the, the meal's on. I got to make sure, you know, the table's set. I got to make sure, you know, things are, 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 are looking perfect, ready to go. She was distracted by all she had. Lord, don't you care? My sister has left me to do all the work. And here's Jesus' reply. Martha, Martha, you're worried and you're distracted by many things. But Martha, there's really only one thing of importance. And Mary chose it. Let me ask you this. Do you think it's possible, if we're on this thing 3.4 hours a day, looking at it about 80 times a day, do you think it's possible for us to be distracted? for us to to trade something of of great significance for something of lesser consequence, for something of lesser importance in our life? If we're on this, you know, 3.4 hours a day on this, how much time of that are you spending with Jesus? I don't know a lot of people that are spending 3.4 hours a day with Jesus, growing in their, their faith. Why would you spend more time with something that you don't believe rather than with someone that you do believe? Like, why, why would you spend more, more time? I think there needs to be a realignment of our, our life. How much am I receiving from, from the, the word of God that, that sets me free, that, that does not keep me locked up, that, that the word of God that, that gives me knowledge and the ability to live this life the way, the way that God wants me to live this life compared to the phone that keeps me locked up? that keeps me stressed out, that keeps me comparing, that keeps me worried about am I enough, that keeps me you know, looking at fake news and, and lies and things that are out there that aren't even true. Like, like why would I do that? Rather than invest my time with God's, God's word. Here's the challenge for us. If we're gonna spend that much time on this phone looking at it, then why don't you commit to leveraging this device for God's glory? Because you can, by the way. You can. Did you know that? Like, this is a great tool for us to to draw closer to God. One of the ways is through worship. You can worship with this. Like, there are so many different... uh, songs that you can listen to that you can pull up on Spotify I and mean, you can get caught up in the moment You can. we, we have a, a playlist through our church that you can listen to, you can follow along there's so much great music out there that glorifies God, that lifts up God why don't you use this device and, and crank it up and sing at the top of your lungs some of you might say, well I don't know how to sing, I can't sing that good if it's loud enough you can, like nobody cares you can worship God that way, you can worship God through this through giving Do you know that? And you should. Like, there's nothing like our our money, our treasure, that that is tied to our heart. And God says the number one competitor for our heart is the stuff that we have. And in this season, especially with, with COVID and us being isolated and separated, like you should continue to tithe. And not not to like to the house. Like that's what God's word says. And you can do that through your phone. It's a tool that you can use to worship. It's a tool that you use to say, God, you know what? You have my heart, not my stuff. Like, you should worship God that way. It's, a, it's also a tool for encouragement. Write that down. Like, you can leverage it to encourage people. Social media is not a place to show off. It's a place to show up in someone's life. It's a place to to be there. It's a place to give an encouraging word to someone that needs it the most. And you might say, well, there are times I feel depleted. There are times that I feel like I need encouragement. Here's what I would challenge you to do. In those times, like encourage someone else and see how God takes that and multiplies it and it blesses you in return. It is better to give than to receive. That also includes your encouragement and sharing with someone else. So I would say encourage others. Also use it for growth. Like, we have thousands of apps. There's the Bible, there's Version. there's Right Now Media. I mean, there are so many things that you can use on this device. Like, you have God's Word accessible to you 24-7. Like, there's so many ways that you can grow and you should be, be growing. Use this tool to grow in your spiritual walk with God. And of course, last but not least, I would say use it as a testimony as a testimony, as a, a witness, I want to read you one more verse. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21 says this, and all of this is a gift of God. He just got done saying, you know, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So if you're a follower of Jesus, that's what happened. And what you've been given is this gift of God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And now God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. If you are in Christ, you're a new creation. You've been given the free gift of salvation. You now have a job to do, and that is to help be a part of reaching other people. You're helped to be a part of reconciling people to God. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. That's like the best news you could possibly hear. But he's not counting that against you. And he gave us that wonderful message of, of reconciliation, the gospel message, the message of hope to give people. So now you are an ambassador of Christ. God is making his appeal through you. And we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God for God. made Christ who never sinned be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Here's the reality. We have an advantage over every other Christian who has lived for the last 2,000 plus years because we have this we now have a tool that we can use to literally reach millions and millions of people that goes all around the world. It used to be that missionaries would have to, like, board a steamship and spend months, you know, traveling, you know, uh, across the oceans to get to an unreached, you know, land where, where they could, you know, share the gospel. Or even more recently, you have to get on a plane and go someplace. Today, you can just turn on your internet. You, could, you can be a witness in your PJs. Right? You can be a witness from home, share an encouraging word from the Lord online, on Facebook, on Twitter. If you do it on Twitter, uh, you're actually called a Twitness. That's what you are on Twitter if you're gonna witness. It's funnier in my head. This is a benefit. This is a blessing. It's also a responsibility that every single one of us has to do all that we can. If you're a follower of Jesus, Man, to leverage anything that you have to send that message of reconciliation, that God's not counting people's sins against them anymore, to a world that desperately needs that. Especially in this season. think about the reach that we have to get the word out to people. Let's do this. Would you bow your head, and close your eyes? Sometimes we're encouraged, and sometimes we're convicted. And maybe God's spirit right now is convicting us of the ways that we've, we've spent our time, our effort, our energy, our resources, maybe getting into fights that are meaningless and worthless online. Maybe buying into the scams and what the world values. Are we becoming more like the world? Copying the behaviors and customs of the world or are we becoming more like Christ? Is it wasting our time? What could we do with 11 years of our lives? How could we make an impact? What could we learn? How could we grow? Even right now, maybe God is challenging us to to leverage technology for, for good, to reach more and more people. Or maybe, maybe you're at the place either here in this room or watching online that you didn't realize that through Jesus, God does not count your sins against you. And the moment that you receive the sacrifice of Jesus into your life, which is a free gift, by the way, that you didn't earn it, you couldn't do anything for it, but Jesus freely gave it because he freely gave his life to you. When we receive that, we are set free. We are that new creation in Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. Maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe that's why you're watching and listening online, because you've never made that decision to give Jesus your life. I want to invite you to do that right here wherever you are. Just pray something like this. The Bible tells us as we confess Jesus as Lord, we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we would be saved. We'd have a new life in Christ. So I want you to pray something like this wherever you are. Jesus, today I give you my whole life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you that I have freedom in you. Thank you that you don't count my sins against me, all the mistakes that I've made. And so Jesus, today, my eyes are opened to the reality that you have saved me and set me free through your sacrifice. And so I confess to you as Lord. Just tell them that right now. Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. And from this moment on, I will follow you with my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations, welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There'll be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.